What does the latest implantable cardioverter defibrillator research reveal? You are listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me is Dr. Sue A. Thomas, Assistant Dean of the PhD program at the University of Maryland School of Nursing in Baltimore, Maryland. Dr. Thomas, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to discuss implanted cardioverter defibrillators with you. How many deaths occur annually in the United States because of sudden cardiac death? Five years ago, we had up to a half million deaths out of the hospital caused by sudden cardiac arrest. The latest figures coming out are now we're down to about 160,000 out-of-hospital cardiac arrests. And this is because of the newest devices called implanted cardioverter defibrillators. What's the primary cause of sudden cardiac death? Sudden cardiac death is caused by a lethal, deadly rhythm disturbance in the heart of the patient, which causes them to stop having all circulation and brings immediate death. And how can this be prevented? Well, the treatment for all sudden cardiac arrest is a prompt defibrillation. Now, you've all seen defibrillators that are external where they put the paddles on the outside of the patient and shock them. The implanted cardioverter defibrillator is a similar device, but it's implanted in the patient and can treat the arrhythmia or the lethal rhythm disturbance of the patient as it occurs. What are the survival rates for patients with implantable devices? Well, the survival rates have been dramatically improved because of the advent of implanted cardioverter defibrillators. In the recent clinical trials, the mortality rate has gone down between 36 and 46 percent for those patients who have had this device implanted. How are they implanted? It's just a two-hour surgery where the physician or cardiologist makes a small incision under the collarbone in the upper chest and puts a small device within the patient's chest and has a wire connected to the heart where the wire can conduct a shock from the small device to the patient's heart. How big are they? They They're really quite small. They only weigh approximately four ounces. They're about a half inch thick and about two inches wide. How do patients describe the shock from an ICD? Well, most patients don't experience a great deal of pain, but they say it is a frightening experience. It can be very annoying because it absolutely stops you in your track because your heart has changed its rhythm, and then you have this shock. The shock can be everything from a slight reaction from the patient to actually some patients actually can be fall over because of the, the, the shock that comes to their heart. What's the survival rate of patients with the implanted devices? Well, you know, that really depends on the degree of underlying cardiovascular disease. But these implanted devices monitor the heart rhythm so they can see when the heart goes in this lethal arrhythmia and appropriately deliver a shock to terminate the arrhythmia and fix the patient's heart rhythm. Describe the effect that this has on a patient's quality of life and their psychological status. These devices have been around since 1970s, and at first they were only implanted in people who had repeated episodes of these lethal rhythm disturbances in their heart. And those patients really experience quite distressing response from having the implanted cardioverter defibrillator because these patients could be shocked 
an average of six times a year. Now, I said that the survival rate has increased and the number of sudden cardiac deaths have decreased, and this is because we have a new patient population, which are patients with heart failure who have been having these devices. Now, 50% of all heart failure patients will die in one year after diagnosis of the heart failure. Now, 50% of those die of heart failure, and 50% of them die of sudden cardiac arrest. So those new patients, the new heart failure patients, are finding these implanted cardiac defibrillators a very different experience because they don't have as many heart rhythm changes. So the machine shocks them maybe once or twice a year, and so they don't find them as distressing as the early patients who are having many more shocks because of their underlying heart disease. And what is the fear? Is it that they're going to be shocked or that it won't shock them when it needs to shock them? Yes, and and, and both of those things. But there's only like a 20-second or less pause between the time the heart goes into this rhythm disturbance to the shock is delivered. So the patient is aware that there's been a change in their heart rhythm, and they know the shock is coming. But after that, they feel fine. There's no after effects of pain. What can healthcare professionals do to help ease the fear and anxiety for these patients? I think information just like we're giving today, the education of what is the amount of time between the heart going into this rhythm disturbance and the shock being delivered, what does the shock feel like? You know, if you can, you should sit down so that you won't lose your balance when the shock occurs. And also, as the patient experiences the shock once or twice a year, we found over time with our research that over time, the longer they've had the implanted cardiovascular defibrillator in, the better they've adjusted to it because they know the experience of this device. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable from ReachMD.com on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me is Dr. Sue A. Thomas, Assistant Dean of the Ph.D. Program at the University of Maryland School of Nursing in Baltimore, Maryland, discussing implantable cardioverter defibrillators. Dr. Thomas, what does the research reveal? Well, the research reveals that these implanted cardioverter defibrillators are life-saving devices, but patients who have them implanted need to have education about them. They need to have support. Their psychological distress should be monitored closely so we can early intervene if they are becoming anxious or depressed because of this device. What are the early interventions? The intervention measures that have been most successful are family support groups, patient education groups. There are also support groups online for people with ICDs. Most manufacturers have a way that the patients can write in and discuss and have chat rooms. So a patient with an ICD has multiple areas from, you know, a real live support group in their hospital to an online support group that they can discuss their device with other people who have those devices. Are you engaged in research right now? We've currently just finished a trial looking at the depression, anxiety, and social support for heart failure patients with ICDs and implanted cardioverter defibrillators. And we found that those people who got the device were less depressed and anxious than those patients who were on medication over time. This is over a two-year period. The patients started out the same. 
But the, the patients with the devices over two years with heart failure actually were less depressed and anxious than those on medication. Oh, that's interesting. And what do you attribute that to? Well, I think, again, that the device reassures them that their heart rhythm will be maintained. I think Americans like a cure, and these implanted cardioverter defibrillators actually can truly terminate the lethal arrhythmia, a lethal heart rhythm. So I think there's just two things. We love technology, and we love to be taken care of competently. And the implanted cardioverter defibrillators are actually saving these patients' lives. What future research is planned? More research needs to be done, especially by nurses, to evaluate the patients who become anxious and depressed with these devices and provide them the patient information and the support that they need to adjust to having a device in their life. Describe the holistic model of cardiovascular health. Well, it's a model, it's a biological psychological, and social model of health. Rather than just looking at the biological model, which is this changes in your cardiovascular health leading to a rhythm disturbance, we look at the psychological factors, whether you're anxious and depressed can affect your heart, and the social factors, what kind of social support actually decreases anxiety and depression. So it's an interactive model looking at all the factors in the person's life, their family, their support, their psychological status, and their physiological status to predict whether they will maintain and increase their health or they will, their health will deteriorate. Dr. Thomas, what led to your interest in this area? Well, I started out as a nurse in the coronary care unit, and after I mastered the technical skills and the advanced clinical skills I needed, I realized that the family and the social support that our nurses provided to these patients were key to their recovery. So that was the first idea I had was how do we really, as bedside nurses, help these patients adjust to all the technology and life-saving advances that we are giving them, and how do we talk to the patients and their families in ways that they can understand us and we can support them. Because nurses are at the bedside 24-7, and we are the people who really provide the education and support these patients need. How can listeners learn more? Well, I would encourage those people who have a device to go to their manufacturer's website, which really has a great deal of information about your specific device. And the American Heart Association has a very good website that tells you about implanted cardioverters, defibrillators in general. Dr. Thomas, what's your take-home message? Well, I think the take-home message is, like many nurses, we are very clear that our role in cardiovascular health is to help the families, support the patients. I also would, though we haven't brought it up here, is also encourage the patients to exercise. Walking daily increases the cardiovascular health of the patient and decreases stress and anxiety. And again, the other thing we always urge our patients and families to do is ask questions, follow your treatment plan, and stay in close communication with health professionals. Thank you to Dr. Sue A. Thomas, who has been our guest discussing implantable cardioverter defibrillators. I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable from ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at reachmd.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts. Or call us toll-free with your comments and suggestions at 888-639-6157. That's 888 
639-6157. Thank you for listening. You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. If you're fishing for ways to reduce the risk of heart disease, you might start with the seafood-rich diet typically served up in Japan. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill. Please join me on the next Clinician's Roundtable. My guest is Dr. Akira Sekikawa, and we'll talk about his recent study showing the importance of fish oil in reducing the risk of heart disease. Please tune in. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin. Join me when my guest will be Dr. George Gollin, Professor of Physics at University of Illinois. We will be discussing the shady business of diploma mills. And this is Dr. Jason Bernholtz. Join me this week on Advances in Medical Imaging, we will be speaking with Dr. David Hellman. The topic is ultra-portable ultrasound. Download complete program information, live streaming, on-demand podcasts, and free CME at ReachMD.com. ReachMD, online, on-demand, and on-air at XM160. You're listening to ReachMD, XM160, the channel for medical professionals.